Let me preface this message by saying, I'm going to say some really difficult things at the first of this message today. Things that are not politically correct. And so, uh, before you get all offended and, and turn me off, just, just listen to what I got to say. And uh, if I say something wrong, you come and let me know. All right? But looking in Genesis chapter 4, <clears throat> in verse 1, it says, Now Adam knew his wife. She conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in a process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now, <clears throat> we live in a culture today that that teaches and expects and even tries to enforce people to be accepting of all things. And that if you stand against it, uh, in some way, or you say that something's wrong, or you stand by the scripture to say that something is sin and, and you take no part in it, and then all of a sudden you get labeled as, you know, a hater or self-righteous or narrow-minded, uh, or politically incorrect. All of those I'm proud to be a part of. But, here's the thing, culture, we, we allow sometimes as God's people for culture to make the definitions of of certain things that that they have no right or no understanding to define. Culture wants to define love as something that is, you know, ooey gooey feeling that is accepting of all things, and uh, that truth has come to be defined as uh, relevant. It means what you see as true is true, and and what's true to me is true. But there's uh, you know actually no no you know standard of absolute truth. And I want to say this, and I just want to read it so I don't miss nothing on my notes. God is neither tolerant or politically correct. God is righteous. He is love. He is truth. He is good. His word is perfect and absolute truth and the standard by which all men will be judged. It brings life to the dead, hope to the lost, healing to the broken, and light to darkness. There is one Savior. One way of salvation, one door to heaven, and no matter who you are, no matter how you were raised, where you are from, or what you have lived like, Jesus and only Jesus is the hope of your salvation from an eternity in hell, and there is no other option. You either get right or get left. And that's what the Bible teaches. That's not popular, and there's a lot of people, even people sitting in church today, that when you make those claims, they're offended in their heart by it. And we want to look at this passage of scripture. That's not really the the topic. I guess tolerance is the main thing that uh, of my message. Jesus is the main thing of my message. But but I am going to touch on some things today that that it's you know our culture. And I'm not picking out certain sins. Let me make it this is very clear. Sin is sin. Okay. 
And there are some greater judgments in the Bible for certain sins. That's very easily seen and taught if you look at it. <clears throat> but but I'm not making levels of sin and say, well, if you're not involved in this sin, you're better than another person, that kind of stuff. But there are certain issues and sins that our culture is trying to shove down our throat. And the sad thing is some, some of God's people just accept it and say, oh, it's just the way it is. One of the most irritating things to me is how God's people act like, well, if the culture, you know, if this is what our culture's doing, and this is what the culture's, you know, you have to go along with that. No? No, I don't. I don't have to go along with it. There are certain things in culture I'm just not going to go along with. And and, and I, I'm just going to tell you, most of you know this, if you are looking for, uh, you know, the brother popular media pastor who's always on the Facebook and sending out texts and doing all that, not that that's sin, okay? But I'm not him. I'm not ever going to be him, okay? I will never be a pastor who's on Facebook and, and doing all those things. There's, for some people, that's, that's the way it is. You say, we well, should change with the time. Mm, I'm not. I just don't want to, and I'm not going to. And what you do is your business, okay? But, I, but just because everybody has phones, and now everybody has bigger and better phones, and everybody's always on media and all that, you know how I like to fellowship? Face-to-face. That's the way I do. I'm cut from an old rock. I'm going to die from an old rock, okay? So just because, you know, maybe that's, you think all the new things come out, and maybe that's a poor illustration, but I guess I'm hard-headed. But there's just some things I just ain't going to change. And, and, and I'm not going to go along with what the culture says. This is, you know, well, you're a weirdo if you don't do that. So don't bother me to be a weirdo, obviously. <laughs> and, 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 and you got to come to that place, and I'm not telling you to be like me. But I'm telling you, when it comes to righteousness, and it comes to God's word, when the culture goes against it, I ain't changing. I'm going to be old, archaic, and, and in line with the scripture. And if that upsets everybody around me, guess they'll get upset. And that doesn't make you self-righteous or judgmental. That just means I'm more, I'm more, uh, uh, interested in pleasing God. I don't care what I look like, how I fit in. If everybody thinks I'm wonderful or if everybody wants to call me, you know, weirdo, hater, whatever. None of that stuff don't matter to me because I'm with the Apostle Paul. I can't have a small thing to be judged by people. You know? And so, especially young people here today, don't think that just because the culture says, well, this is, this is how you wear, and this is, this is how you act, and this is what you have to be a part of, and if, if you're not a part of that, you're just a weirdo. The Bible said we're going to be a peculiar people. If you're not peculiar, you know what you are, you're a weirdo to God. So who do you want to be weird to? I guess that's what it boils down to. Anyhow, Lord help me on this message, because this is going to be interesting. God has a way. God has a way because God, we learn that God's a creator of all things. Everything that God created is good and he has a standard in a way and his way is good. And I want to start off with marriage this morning because that's what chapter four starts with. Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and she had a child. She named him Cain. God is the creator and the perfect designer of marriage. Wasn't something man came up with, not something we evolved into. God designed it. He had the first, you know, marriage ceremony there with Adam and Eve and that that is the perfect way of marriage it's the only way that God recognizes marriage that marriage between one man one woman Adam and Eve not Adam and Steve okay and if the truth offends you I'm not trying to be offensive or judgmental but I'm saying doesn't my way to say well times change no no times don't change hearts change times don't change one man, one woman that are brought together under a covenant relationship before God. Okay, I'm not just talking about homosexuality here. Anything outside of this between one man and one woman is wrong, 
Let it be said on the podcast that you know who I am, Randall Reeves, Palestine, Texas, 75801. It's wrong. It's sin. It's ungodly. It's perversion. It's dark. It's wicked. Okay? And, and, I'm, and I say this. I know that homosexuality has so started to run rampant in our culture. Uh, and I'm, I'm not attacking homosexuals. Okay? I'm, I'm attacking the sin. But here's the thing. Homosexuals need Jesus. Okay? Just like heterosexuals need Jesus. Okay? But here's what I am saying, and I know there's a lot of people and, and that, that in your family, you have that. So I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing your family. Don't, don't think anything like that. And you have friends and, and stuff that, that may be involved in that. But listen to me. Just because they're friends and family doesn't mean you go, well, I have to accept this. If you accept it, you're never going to reach them with the gospel. Accepting it doesn't mean that you're showing love. Okay, Love doesn't mean I have to accept people how they are. It doesn't mean you leave them how they are. Love reaches out. Jesus loves us as sinners. He could have said, I just, I just love sinners. But if it never went to the cross to save us, we'd be loved sinners going to hell. Does that make sense? Y'all awake this morning? Okay, I can tell if people are going to leave upset today. Okay. I'll just say this, you know, according to the scripture, not according to the pastor, homosexual is a vile sin. It's gross sin. It's perversion. Look at Romans chapter one. I want, I want you to see this. It's not my opinion. It's not the book of opinions today. It's Romans chapter 1. You hold your spot there because I'll come back to it later. There's all kinds of scripture in the Bible that talks about it. And people, you know, here's the thing that you'll hear. Well, people are born that way. Mm-hmm. Cain was born a murderer. You, are you hearing me? We're all born sinners. How you act it out, okay? You might act it out as a murderer. This person acts it out as a homosexual. It's not a genetical thing. It's a sin thing. I was born upset and angry with a bad mouth sometimes. That don't mean that it's genetics. Y'all with me? You got your thing? I got mine, all right? But I'm not sitting here telling you, get over it. That's just who I am. You can't say anything when I lose my temper and throw stuff through a wall or, or say ugly things. I don't do that no more. I used to be really bad, okay? I'll leave with a bad thought, okay? I'm, I'm not above it. But, but here's what I'm saying. You can't say, well, that's just, you know, he got that from his daddy. I probably did. No, no. But, you know, it's a learned trait. It's a chosen trait. I can tell you that. It's something that you either choose to yield to or you choose to turn away from. But you can't make excuses and go, that's just my genetics. No, it's not. Romans chapter 1 clearly teaches God's going to judge. Not only those, listen to me, God's going to judge not only those who take part in it, but those who are accepting of it. It's going to be a little bit of a read here, so stick with me. It says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all. Notice that. Not just some. Not just homosexuality. All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. That's your conscience. For God has shown it to them. How? Through creation. Every person has conscience conscience and creation, which is a witness of God. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now notice what it says here. Because although they knew God in their conscience and through creation, they knew God. They knew of God. They had moral consciousness. They did not glorify him as God. They would not worship him as God, honor him as God, humble themselves before him as God. Nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So they made a decision. We're not going to, we, we know, but we're not going to honor. 
And all of a sudden, their hearts become darkened. Now notice the downward progression here. That's what you see in our culture. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and creepy things. So they made their decision. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts. This all comes from their hearts. To dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason. You see, man made the choice. Notice that, Calvinist. Man made the choice. God judged according to man's choice. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what was against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one for another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they continued to spiral downward more and more, giving themselves over to sin and rebellion. God gave them over to a debased mind. Lord, if this is what you want, it's your choice. To do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness. Now, notice this list. It goes beyond homosexuality. Sexual immorality, that's adultery. Fornication, sex outside of marriage. It's living together. Cohabitation, all those things where we go, well, we're married because we've been living together for 10 years. No, you ain't. No, you're not. If you haven't entered into a covenant relationship with the Lord, then you're not married. According to the Scripture, I don't care what the state says. And I'm not judging you. I just want you to come to the awareness of that because some, you know, here's the thing. Some people don't even know. Oh, man, I thought I was good to go with God because we've been living together for 10 years. Mm, that's not with God. Okay? I'm telling you and warning you in love. You say, well, you're being self-righteous. No, I'm not. Quit judging me. Okay? Wickedness, covetousness. Boy, that, that nails us, don't it? Covetousness on the same level as, as sexual immorality. You say, see, you're guilty of that. Amen. I'll agree with you. You don't got to worry about judging me. I'll judge myself. Maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. Some of us see that in our families. Evil-mindedness. Some of you ladies. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. I'm kidding. That was judging. Okay. <laughs> Whisperers, backbiters, Facebookers, haters of God, <laughs> violent, proud, boom, there's the pastor. Boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. You kids know what I'm talking about, don't you? Is there a kid here who'll just say amen? Nobody? Kobe, will you amen? Amen, thank you. Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, all the uns. Unforgiving, we don't struggle with that. Unmerciful. Now notice what it says. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice... Such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. See, it's not just homosexuality and sexual immorality. It's all that other stuff. And here's the thing. You say, well, I'm not a partaker of that. But do you approve of it? You go along with it. Make peace with it. You're accepting of it. You're in the same boat. In the same boat. Now... Now that everybody's really tuned up, let's let's see if we can tune you in. 
all of these, all of these sins you'll notice here revolve around worship. So they knew, they knew him as God, but they would not glorify him, worship him. They were not thankful to him. Because all of a sudden you have a choice. You're either going to worship God, listen to me, you're going to worship God in his way. Or you're going to worship you in your way. Because when you begin to worship, even if you say, well, I worship God, let's do it my way. No, you're worshiping you in your way. You're not worshiping God in his way. You might be saying God, but, but, but you ain't talking to the God of God. You're not talking to Jesus. And you're going to see this. Now, <laughs> looking back in Genesis chapter 4. love some of your faces this morning. So attentive. <laughs> Genesis chapter 4. These kind of messages are great. It says, notice this. Now, verse, uh, verse 2. She bore again. This time, his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in a process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. He came to worship God. He brought an offering. Notice what his offering was. The fruit of the ground. He was a gardener. Everything that he grew, he he gathered up. He's going to bring his best to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The Lord respected, accepted Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. Now, now notice this. Abel was a shepherd. And Abel came to God. It, it talks about this in Hebrews chapter 11. That by faith, Abel offered up what God had taught them to offer up. This was not some man conjured up. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, God taught them. He provided animal skins. Most likely that of a lamb. He sacrificed a lamb, which is a picture of Jesus. All the way through the scripture, a lamb is a picture of Jesus, okay? Who would lay down his life for sinners so that we could do what? So that we could be clothed and covered in his righteousness. Not our righteousness, his righteousness. And God personally taught them, this is how you approach me. There was no confusion. There was no interpretation. It was God said, if you want to worship me as God, and you want to be in fellowship with me, you bring an offering of a lamb, you offer it up with your faith towards that lamb, and we'll be made right. Cain was not confused. There was no confusion of what God required. And here's the thing I want you to see about Abel's offering. Okay, there's a lot of things in this passage I wanted to bring out. One of them is the difference between faith and religion. Okay, Abel's offering showed he loved God. He didn't just offer the lamb, he offered all the fat. The fat was the good stuff. The fat was, was, was a picture of, I'm going over and above what is just required of me. That's what love does. Love doesn't say, what does God require? Well, he, yeah, it is. okay, I'll do that. That's not love, that's religion. Religion keeps a record. Religion meets the requirements that they see that they need to meet in order they can say, okay, I've done what is required of me, now you owe me righteousness. Whereas... Faith says, God, I have nothing to offer you. So I'm offering you what you have provided for me with my hope and my faith in this. And God's like, I accept that. I I show respect. Here's the thing. God only shows respect towards one person. That's Jesus. The Bible said God's no respecter of persons. Doesn't mean he said, well, I've been in this church all my life. Whoop-de-doo. I've been a pastor for 20 years. Whoop-de-doo. I've taught Sunday school. You know, my, this, this church has been in my family for generations. Who cares? 
If you think that you're, that's, that's, that's what Cain brought. Cain brought his offering out of pride and arrogance. You see that, how he responded here in a minute. Think about this. It was a bloodless sacrifice. The Bible says in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so he brought it as a bloodless sacrifice. It was the works of his flesh. Everybody thinks they worked their way to heaven. It's their offering. They're a, you're a part of the church of Cain. If you're here, hopefully nobody here thinks that, okay? If you do, you're thinking wrong. It's going to cost you your eternity. But if you think that somehow, and the works of your flesh can be really ceremonial. What are the works of my flesh? I come to church. I was baptized. I, 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 you know, I serve and I do this and I'm blah, blah, blah. You can give your list and I'm good to people and I help people and I give money and, and all those things can be what you produce. Cain brought what he could produce. And think about this. It was his best. He offered his very best to God. Some people who are very confused today think, well, I think if a person just does their best, you know, they, they, they got a good heart. No, they don't. No, they don't. We don't have good hearts. We don't have good hearts. The Bible says there's none good, not one. If one person out of all the people that was alive and breathing today had a good and a perfect heart, God's good, not our standard of good, but God's standard of good perfectly holy and righteous, then the cross was in vain. I want to bring you to a place this morning you recognize how, how great God is in offering up His Son for our sins because what we have to offer is nothing. You don't have anything to offer whatsoever other than what God has provided for us. And think about this. When they came and they made their offering, He worshipped in His own way. There's like 10 billion different churches today. Who knows how many different denominations. They're building them every day. Somebody gets hacked in in one church. Somebody doesn't like the truth in some church. They go out and they start their own church. And so we get all these different churches. And, and people are like, I just don't like division. I don't, you know, I don't like you know drawing lines. We want to tear down all these religious walls so we can all just kind of blend together. Because we all got the general same idea. That sounds really appealing to my flesh. Because I don't like to argue and I don't like to make uncomfortable stands. I just like to kumbaya with everybody and we all just get along and, and love people right into hell. That's what it's called. Because there's one way, there's one truth, there's one God, there's one door. And if you ain't at that door, there's not an option. And to simply overlook everything and, and go along with everything and be accepting of everything, that's not love. Listen to me. Jesus, he said, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners, and I'm very thankful that he was. But he, but he addressed the sin. He confronted the sin in love. It wasn't, he just like, well, you just gotta, you just gotta accept everything. And just, when people do this, and people are like this, and they're involved in this sin, love goes to the person and reasons with them. Just like he does with Cain. He says, Cain, you know, uh, that's just who you are. And I, I, and the guy's like, I'm not tolerant of that. Jesus wasn't tolerant. He called it black and white. Just like it was. That's love. That's what love is. Love isn't letting your kids do whatever they want to do. Why are you letting your kids go out there and play in the highway? I just love them and I don't want to correct them. That's crazy. That's what that is. That's crazy and insane. Because in a minute you're going to be crying asking God why your kid got killed. And I know that's an extreme because I don't want to get too touchy on that subject. You know where I'm at? But you correct and you guide and sometimes you rebuke and sometimes you give them a, a warming on your kids because you love them. 
If you're one of those parents, go, I'm just buddies with my kids and I don't correct them. I won't ever say anything to them. You know, I never, you know, I just, they, you just gotta love them. That's not love. That's not love at all. Because if you separate truth from love, you do not have love. And so in that, man, God loves us. He always corrects us. Amen. And, and think about this. The ceremony that Cain went through, it, it appeared very much the same as Abel's ceremony. Wherever it was that God called for them to go to, they came, they brought an offering, maybe Cain, maybe Cain bowed down. But in Cain's heart, Cain loved Cain. Cain came in a prideful way to go, Lord, this is what I have to offer you. Abel came and went, Lord, I have nothing to offer you. My faith is in what you have provided for me. The shed blood. I, I I recognize somebody has to die for my guilt. Cain thought, forget the whole dying thing. And if you don't know the true background of it, the way that it was worded when Eve named Cain, basically when she said, I have acquired a man, a possession from the Lord, the Hebrew wording there, scholars say that, it, that her and Adam recognized him as the promised seed of the woman. They thought Cain was the Messiah. They probably even engrafted that into him as he was growing up and they instilled such a pride in him. He's like, me? Bow down? I'm the Messiah. What was he doing? He was doing the same thing as Satan. I'm God. I'm going to be like God. What do you mean to tell me I'm wrong? Let me give you some parents some warning. Edify your kids. Build them up in the Lord. Tell them who they are in Christ. You are greatly loved. God loves you so much. This is what he's done for you. We love you. But you know what, little junior? You're a wicked sinner. Okay? Tell them the truth. Because if you always tell junior, you know, or, or sister, you're, you're wonderful. You're, you're way better than those other kids. You're handsomer. You're better. You're smarter. You know, da-da-da. And you just, you're the greatest this. You're the greatest that. And you can't be wrong. Who is the coach doing? What is he doing telling you you can't do this? You're the best out there. You know, the coach and everybody else out there is wrong. Because you're the, you're the greatest. Don't tell me some parents don't do that. In any area of life, you know what you're doing? You man, you're building a cane. Because what you're saying is, in order for a person to be saved, they have to say, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I have to bow before God. And the more pride that's instilled in them, the harder that's going to be. You better teach your kids. You're incredible. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're so loved that God died to save your sinful soul. But you're a sinner. And you need a savior. Some of you might agree to that. You may tell my son they're a sinner. Then you'll love them all the way to hell. That's a terrible thing. Boy, you're quiet. If you don't agree with that, you better read your Bible. So, So let me say this. Religion is the promotion of my goodness. It is giving what I have to offer. It's coming to God expecting him. To accept and respect me for who I am at my best. That's what religion says. I'm going to come and give God my very best. I'm going to try my hardest. And I expect that because I'm churched up, baptized up, good worked up, and all these other things that I do, that I'm going to come to God and go, okay, God, this is what I have to offer. And God's like, I, re- I reject that. I re- this is what happened to Cain. Cain's like, God's going to think I'm so great. I'm going to bring all this wonderful produce that I have labored and sweated over and worked hard. Think about this. Where did that come from? It came from the ground. The ground was cursed. 
You're bringing a cursed offering to God. And he comes to God in his pride expecting God to be so impressed by what he thought worship should be. There's a lot of people today that thinks God's impressed because they go, I worship my way. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily, I'm just, I'm just doing what I'm led by the Spirit. What Spirit? Because God's Spirit doesn't contradict the Word. I want to make sure that I'm led by the Spirit according to the Word of God. But He brings His offering for the Lord and the Lord's like, no. What do you mean no? Because the Bible says God answered by fire. Here's, here's Abel over here. I don't know if they went at the same time. Here's Abel over here. You know, his name means weak, vain. It means breath. It, was, it talks about being weak. So you know Cain's like, this is weak. He's over here offering up a lamb, blood, fat, all that, you know, barbaric, old-time stuff. I'm going to bring something new to the table. I'm going to impress God by my great ideas that God didn't think of. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer God what I feel my emotions lead me to do. And so I'm, I'm bringing God's up. Looks over there, fire going on, Cain, on Abel. It's like, God's like, I'm pleased with this. I answered by fire. You know, Cain, maybe he blew on a little bit, tried to make his own smoke. You know, Lord, what's, what's the deal here? That's not what I told you. I have a way. I have one way. You can approach me that way, but this way I reject. God, who are you to disrespect me? Who are you to tell me I'm wrong? Do you see the, this, this is what Cain's saying. He was upset, angry. He got plumb hacked off. There's some people that'll be hacked off today, probably. Because when, when you say, you mean to tell me that I can go through all this stuff? I've never murdered anybody. I've never done this and I've never done that. Yeah, you're telling me because I've sinned a couple of little things that God's going to reject me like he would, you know, a child molesting murderer out there in the penitentiary day? He'll reject you. He'll reject you every time. He'll reject your offerings every time. Because God said, I, I had, a, I have a way. I made a way. I didn't have to do that. I did it because I love you. You approach me in that way, we're good to go. But Cain, he didn't like that way. There's a lot of people who don't like the way. There's a lot of people who say, I'm not bound to Jesus. I'm not bound to God's word. He's not the authority in my life. He's not the Lord. And God's lucky if, if I walk the aisle and pray the sinner's prayer. What do you think's wrong with churches today? We, we made the way of Cain very, you know, accessible in the church. It's not about repentance. Don't repent. That's the old message. Okay? Let's, let's not even mention the word sin. That's the old way. That's Abel's way. We're going to bring something new to the table because we want to see a lot of response. And so, all you have to do is just, let's say you walk an aisle. That's your confession. You say the words of a prayer that the preacher or somebody leads you in. And God should accept you for that. Really? Really? Better be careful what you're believing nowadays. Because God didn't show tolerance. And Cain's response shows his attitude towards God. This is where it gets good. So this is, this, let me give you some really good. There's good hope and there's good news in this. Obviously, Cain had been listening to the same snake that Adam and Eve listened to, and he was highly deceived. There's a lot of people today listening to a snake instead of listening to God's word. And they're highly deceived by what they think, feel, and believe of God. And there's a lot of churches going on. There ain't no fire in them today. Green stuff don't burn. You know what I'm saying? It's just a smoldering nothing. Bunch of religion of people trying to show God and impress God with their singing and with their presence and with their prayers and with their preaching. And God's like, this is, I have nothing to do with this. You know, it's hard for us to accept, but you realize there's going to be people sitting in Baptist churches their whole life. Their whole life. 
They were there Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Sunday school, deacons meeting, you know, pastors, pastors, missionaries, who out of the wrong heart trying to impress God with the works of their flesh will stand before the Lord after having been in church, after they maybe gave a million dollars, ten million dollars. Stand before the Lord, him say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. We, we can't fathom that. Why? You know, what do you mean? How could that be possible? You're telling me somebody could give $10 billion to God and he would reject them? Absolutely. Totally reject. Because God's no respecter of persons. God doesn't look at our works and go, that's pretty good. I'm impressed. Because you know what that does? That makes a road around the cross. Anything that you do to try to impress God, you know what you're doing? You're like, I'm just going to go around this whole humbling myself and accepting this this Jesus thing, this whole blood thing. I'm just going to go around and I'm going to make a neat, clean presentation to the Lord. Him like, okay, my son suffered and died and went through hell on earth to save sinners. But you know what? I didn't think about how great you were. We'll make a second way. Would you? Let's be honest. Now, Say, I thought you said this gets good. Here it is. So Cain, he's angry, God, but this is not the end. If you don't see anything else, I don't want you to look at Cain. I don't want you to look at Abel. I want you to see the Lord. How does God respond? In verse 6, so the Lord said to Cain. You know, here's Cain. He's he's in his pouty box, throwing his temper tantrum. The Lord doesn't, the Lord's not standing there holy going, I reject you. I reject you. The Lord's like, Cain, let's reason. Come and let us reason together. And so he starts reasoning with Cain. He says, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? You know what that word, this is the best part of the message right here. You know what that word countenance means? It means your face. He said, why have you turned your face away from me? He was over huffed up. You know how you, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Your spouse sometimes when they make you mad, you're like, you know, you turn away. He said, what he was doing is, I don't want to look at you, God. I'm so mad at you right now because you don't respect me. You don't accept me for who I am. You're so judgmental. You're so self-righteous. I don't want nothing to do with you. Here's the thing. When you turn your face from God, what is your face looking at? Darkness. You just open your... You know what Eve and Adam did? They turned their face from God and they turned their face to the snake. And then when you turn your face away from God and you harden your heart towards God, you're being rebellious and you look away, what are you doing? The devil's telling you what God looks like. Look at him. He, he hates you. He's so holy. And the world, the world today has their face so turned away from God. But God shows love and he shows mercy. He's reasoning with Cain. Think about this. God knows everything. He knows Cain's fixing to murder. He knows Cain's fixing to kill an innocent person, yet he's reasoning with him. He's love. Cain, Cain, listen to what I'm saying here. Why why you turn your face away from me? It's God reaching out. You don't reach out to man. Here's God reaching out to a sinner who's hating on him. And he says in verse 6, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Have you ever got onto your kid? Hopefully. You know, I tell your kid, look, this is this is what I want. I want you to I want you to clean up your room because all this all these socks in here with black mold on them, it's not good for your health. Some of you mamas know what I'm talking about. I want you to clean your room. You're not being hateful. You're not being self-righteous. You're like, I want you to clean your room up because this is my house. This is God's house. This is God's world. You're God's children. And the best thing you do. And so, so you, and all of a sudden, when you, when your kid doesn't, 
You know, some of you go for weeks. I hope, but you you come back in, you see that your kid didn't do what you told him to do, or maybe it's something dangerous. Here's the line: don't cross this line yard. Don't go out by the road. Don't want the eighteen wheeler to be resting on you. Okay. And so you look outside and watch in the distance, and you see your kid out there. And you're like, look at Junior; he's out there playing football in the highway. Ain't that great? You don't do that. You walk outside and you go, you you're like my mom, you snap a snap that can be heard for miles. Amen. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about sitting in church. You hear that snap, and all of a sudden, Junior comes up here and you're like, what did I tell you? He, he, there's no confusion. You, you told me not to play out in the highway. Okay, why are you out in the highway? Come over here. This is what happened at Reed's house. I'm band. Come over here. Put your hands right here. Show me what God gave you. Okay. Bop, bop. All right. No hate in that. No, no hurt in that. A little stinging. God prepared them for it. A little warming love. Okay. And all of a sudden they huff up. You know, they cry a little bit. I love you. That's why I do that. I don't want you to get run over and killed because getting killed is a whole lot worse than that. You know, and so a little bit later you come by and you're like, Hey, you want to play some football? And they're huffed. Why are you huffed up? Because you spanked me. <laughs> I've heard that a thousand times. <laughs> because you spanked me. I spanked you because I love you. Didn't I tell you not to play out on the highway? Yeah. If you play out on the highway, you'll get run over. You got a whole yard to play in. Just as long as you play in the yard, we're good. You won't get in trouble. That's what God's saying. I give you all, I made a way for you. Why are you all huffed up and angry at me? I told you, didn't I? I'm out for your best. I don't want you to die and go to hell. Offer the offering that I told you and everything's good. How hard is it? How difficult is my way? It's very difficult when you're hard-headed, self-willed, sinful, black, vile, and dark, and you hate me, and your face is turned away from me, and you're listening to a liar tell you who I am and what my intentions are. And that's what the world's doing today. Yeah, God shows him mercy and he reasons with him. And, and this is a good part. When he said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Now, here's, here comes the warning. Now, let me touch on this and I'm, I'm going to stop right there, okay? Because I'm out of time. But you want to see what salvation is? You know what God's telling Cain? Cain, humble, number one, humble yourself. First step of salvation is going, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. If he, this whole story would have changed if Cain would have just went this. If he would, if he would have listened to God's voice and went, "Lord, you're right," and then he would have turned his face to Him. You know what he would have saw? He would have saw a God who just loves him, a God who's standing there with his arms open, ready to forgive, a God who's already provided an offering for him. You looked into the face of God. When it was not, how many of y'all did that? You've done that. If you're saved, you saw the face of Jesus. Like this, you're nothing like He was telling me. You're not who I thought you was. You're amazing, God. Your grace is overwhelming. He would have felt God embracing, like, "Good job, Cain. I'm so I'm, I love you, and I want you to just walk in my way, trust in my way, trust in my Son, trust in the sacrifice that I'm going to provide for you." That's repentance. And Cain would have done what? Cain would have said, "Lord, I'm sorry." I'm sorry that I ever did that. I'm, I'm sorry that I was upset with you. Sorry that I came in my prideful arrogance. Lord, like, I forgive you. I've already forgiven you because of, because of this lamb right here. You have that. But you know what? Here's the thing. I don't care if it's homosexuality, adultery, fornication, drunkenness, lying, backbiters, gossipers, false religion, prideful murderers, thieves, drug addicts, self-righteous, or maybe just unaware. The good news is this. That there is, there is one way. And there is one Savior. Who is so amazing. Who made an offering for us. 
and give us a place that we can go. It's the cross of Jesus that paid for all of our sin and opened up one door. And the good news is, everybody's welcome. God's offering salvation to a murderer here. Somebody who's going to murder his own brother. I don't know how he did it. Whack him in the head with a, with a stick or something. You go, oh, that's so wicked. And Jesus like, I'll save you. So there's nobody here that that door is not open to. Jesus said, here he is. Remember what he said in John chapter 10? I'm the door. I'm the door. He said, there's multiple doors, just multiple joys. It's not a game show. One, one door. But that door is open to everybody. But, but let me warn you, okay, in case you decide you're going to leave huffed up at God this morning. He also said there's, there's another door. It's not the door of salvation. He said, sin lies at that door. If you do well, if you do, if you do not well, it means if you reject my way, if you turn away from the gospel, you decide you're not going to humble yourself, you're ruled by your pride and your sinful heart, sin lies at the door. That wording there in Hebrew means it's crouched like a lion. Sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. How, how do I rule over it? Humble yourself and make me Lord. And you know the rest of the story if you read the Bible much. That Cain went, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go through this door. And I'm going to rule. And I'm going to be my own Lord. And I'm going to do my own thing. A little bit later, Cain murders his own brother. You ever think that when Cain was young, he's like, you know what, when I grow up, I'm going to murder my brother. <laughs> he might have, but... Not perp, you know, no, so seriously. I'm going to be a murderer. I'm going to be a vagabond. I'm going to go out from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to live, you know, my life for the world. I'm going to die and spend eternity in hell. That's a good dream. He didn't think that. Here's what he thought. I ain't listening to God. I ain't bowing to God. I'm not doing things God's way. I'm going to prove to God that I am good enough. God will respect me. God will show and see how great that I am. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to prove it to him. And I'm going to, I'm going to show him that I have control over sin. I don't need him. And all of a sudden, he opened that door. Mm. He went through the door of death and destruction. Self-will and pride. And when he walked through that door, the devil's like, shut the door. Shut the door because I got you. I got my desire. And all of a sudden, he started leading Cain along with a lot of other people, right down the pathway of destruction. You know what? you got two doors. If you look at this door here, you say, this is God's way. Jesus stands at the door. He's like, he's calling you. Hey! Some of you are looking at this door. This is a pink little stuff on the door. Some of you are looking at that door and going, that door looks great. This, this pink, this is great, this one. I didn't even play. This little pink frilly stuff over here looks way more pleasant than this door. I think I'm going to... Lord's like, hey, don't, don't, don't go through that door. Sin lies crouched on the other side of the door. If you make that decision, that's, there's going to be hell to pay. I wouldn't walk through that door. You're like, I don't believe you. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Some of you are looking at this door. Some of you are heading to this door this morning. And all the while, Jesus is saying, come over here to my door. I'll give you life. I'll give you forgiveness. I'll change everything. I'll show you mercy. It'll be good. Because you've got a door to choose. And sin lies crouched at the door. And a Savior stands ready to receive. So listen to me. Where are you at this morning? Because I would have to ask some of you probably, not that I'm judging you, but if I know people well enough, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? Why is it when you hear the truth and it stings you that you go, I don't like him. Cain didn't like Abel. Abel didn't do nothing. I hadn't done anything to you this morning. I don't even know you for the most part. 
I don't know your heart. Some people think, he knows what I got going on. He's preaching me. I don't know none of you, what you got going on. When you hear God's word and you're angry, you're not angry at the, at the deliverer. You're angry at the author. That's right. And my question is, why are you angry? God's like, I'm ready. If you do well, if you'll turn to me. Turn your face towards me this morning. I'll show you mercy, forgiveness, restoration, grace, pour out blessing, love, everything that I have to offer to you. God's calling you. Come on. Huh? I'm not just saying a prayer. I'm going to say, come on. This is what I desire. God desires to forgive you and to save you. No matter where you are. But you have to decide what door you're going to go through. Are you standing with your head bowed and your eyes closed this morning? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you. God, and I thank you that you first love us. That you're a good father. That you're an amazing savior. Lord, that you would even consider to reason with sinners. Lord, who was Cain that he could be upset with you? And who am I that I could be? And God, we're, we, we are naturally just a prideful and arrogant people and we think we're great. Lord, but when we, when we look at your word, your word speaks truth and it speaks it in a way of love to see I'm not, I'm not great. There's nothing about me great, Lord. There's nothing about me even good. But I thank you, God, that you're good and that you love sinners. That you came to die on a wretched cross and to suffer so that my sin could be paid for and that I could find forgiveness in your, in your face. Lord, I, there's got to be people in this crowd today whose face are turned away. God, they have sin in their life that they're holding on to that they just refuse to let go of. Lord, I, I pray this morning they would see, Lord, that your way is the only way. It's a way of, of, of blessing, it's a way of life, it's a way of redemption. God, it's a way of of walking in faith and trusting you to provide what we don't have. And Lord, for those, I thank you that you're a God of so many chances. Or maybe they've chose to turn their face from me and they've walked through that door. Sin has pounced on them, Lord. And they're getting a whole lot more than what they ever thought they would get into. I thank you that you're the shepherd who goes after his sheep. That you search for us and you call out to us, Lord, to bring us back where we need to be. God, that your voice would be heard, not mine today. And I pray that people would turn turn their face to you, God. As your word says that you would cause your face to shine upon us. God, you would restore us and give us the hope that we find in that lamb, in the, in the Lord Jesus. We ask it in his holy name. Amen.